Good afternoon. Thank you very much, Asti. Good afternoon to everyone in Indonesia, Japan, and I think Singapore. Good morning to those of you joining from the UK, and particularly our friends from the Glasgow Chamber of Commerce, who we are partnering with in these webinars. When we formed the Climate Change Focus Group, one of the things we set out to do was to bring global corporate leaders to our membership here, so our membership can hear how multinationals are embracing the sustainability and climate change challenges. A couple of months ago, we welcomed Unilever's leadership team, and today we welcome NTT's leadership team. I have to say that my background in consumer products and real estate I'm somewhat out of my comfort zone in terms of dealing with IT and communications technology. So I'm very much looking forward to being educated. Equally importantly, NTT are one of the 17 multinationals also known as Business Avengers who are leading each of the United Nations sustainability goals. And in NTT's case, they are leading goal number 11, which focuses on sustainable cities and communities. So much of what we'll be discussing today will focus on that. The format of today's event will be a short presentation, followed by a fireside chat, followed by an open Q&A. So please submit your questions anytime using the Q&A function. Our first guest is Andrew Briggs, the Chief Global Business Officer at, of NTT, which means he is responsible for the sales, profitability, and customer satisfaction with a specific focus on global and international clients. Andrew was previously Dimension Data's Group Executive for Global Business and was based in South Africa from 1997 to 2008. In 2008, he relocated back to the UK, also with Dimension Data, and subsequently moved into his, into his role with NTT, and correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, after NTT's takeover and merger with, of Dimension Data. Andrew, who is from Glasgow in Scotland, holds an MBA from Stirling University, as well as a postgraduate diploma in change agent skills and strategies at the University of Surrey. He is currently based in London and is a big sportsman fan. And like myself, he has a misfortune to support one of the most consistently underperforming football teams in Scotland, as well as suffering a lifetime of heartache following his national team. If Andrew is not at his sparky best today, that is be probably because like everyone else in Scotland, he'll be mourning the passing of Diego Maradona, much revered in our homeland, his hand of God goal against England. I, I had to get that in because our executive director of Britcham is a big England fan. Our second panelist is Wong Wen Ming, and we'll call him Wen Ming, who is the senior VP of global business of NTT Limited Asia Pacific. He is responsible for their global business focusing on delivering a full stack of digital transformation and business values to NTT's clients. He is also responsible for maximizing the synergy within NTT group of companies to achieve one NTT vision. He has been with NTT for 25 years and has held various country chief executive positions across the region, including Japan, China, Malaysia, and Hong Kong. Prior to that, he was a chief uh, technical officer. Currently based in Singapore, he is no stranger to Indonesia, having visited here on multiple occasions over the years. He holds a first-class honours in electronics engineering from the University of Essex in the UK. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you? 
Very good. Thank you, Ainsley. Thank you for having us on your on your webinar today. Thank you very much. I think, uh, Andrew, before we go into your presentation, it might be worth just dwelling on what the UN Business Avengers are, because I'm sure a lot of our uh, participants today um, are not quite clear on the role of the UN Business Avengers. So perhaps you could just give us a little bit of background to start with. Sure, very pleasure, Ainsley. I mean, after the United Nations um, set the sustainable goals, um, one of the areas they looked at was how to activate these goals, how to make it come into reality. And they wanted uh, to leverage some of the large corporates in the world to help drive the agenda. So there was the, the term Business Avenger was formed and they began to look for organizations to champion each individual goal. Um, and there's actually 17 Business Avengers because I think one of them has two goals because there's 19 sustainable goals as I think most people will know. And as you said, we were very fortunate to be approached and asked if we would take on being the champion of number 11 sustainable cities and communities, which we're very proud to be doing. I do touch upon it slightly in the presentation, but that's where it comes from. And our role is to both work as an individual organization to drive uh, that goal, but also to work in collaboration, Ainsley, with the other business Avengers to make sure we're, we're maximizing the impact we can have in, in, in realizing some of the targets and ambitions that have been set. Okay, thank you. Um, I think Andrew, uh, just to go, uh, give an introduction to, to NTT, it might be worth while now just going through your presentation, um, give Certainly. a flavor of what you're doing, and then we'll go into the Q&A. Thank you, Ainsley. Yes, if we go through to the slides, I've just got a you know, half dozen or so slides just to give you a brief introduction both to NTT and also to um, our approach on, the, on sustainability. So if we go to the next slide, Aste, please. So this is really last year, uh, some of you um, may know the entity brand and company in different ways. Obviously a, a very large Japanese based company, about $106 billion turnover, the whole group is. Entity Limited was formed by bringing 31 businesses together last year. Really, these are most of the businesses outside Japan. So we have two um, operating companies outside Japan, Entity Limited, which Wen Ming and myself work for, and there's also Entity Data. So within Entity Limited, um, we brought these 31 businesses together. Within our company, we've got uh, 40,000 employees. Uh, we're present in 57 countries. Uh, especially a very strong presence across Asia, which Wen Ming can, can touch upon. We're, we're of that $106 billion, $11 billion sits in our company. And um, our client base is mostly the large um, corporates of the world, uh, as it shows in that slide. And, and one thing we're very proud of is the large investment we make in uh, research and development. And this links very closely to our focus on sustainability. Last week, we had our annual our R&D forum in Tokyo. Uh, obviously this year it had to be a combination of virtual and some people were able to attend in person. But we spend over $3.6 billion a year on research and development. And, and a large part of that is looking at ways that we can reduce the power usage in, in networks, in data centers, 
Um, we've invested significantly in renewable energy because we are a big user of power uh, as an IT company. And we see ourselves having a responsibility to try and reduce that. But we'll touch on that later as well. So if we go to the next slide, Asti, please. And really, um, we, um, our purpose, and we are a purpose-led company, and together we enable the connected future. And we see that's what we try and achieve. Um, and, and really the three boxes in that slide bring together, of course, we need to be sustainable as a business, because if we're not, we're not able to make a contribution. But we also want to have a very positive contribution on the environment. And we believe technology can make the world a better place. And NTTs, which has been around for um, a long time, well over 100 years, has a very clear a primary objective of making a, a positive contribution to society. And we're very proud of that a culture and objective we have. If we go to the next slide. And I mentioned purpose-led, and this is a quote, I think it's quite a good one from the University of Oxford, because I think there's a lot of discussion there in Ainsley. We've been discussing it in terms of, you know, purpose-led, what does that mean? And I think in our view, it's, it's profit is an important measure of an organization, but it's certainly not the only measure. And we believe that um, in addition to that profit, we want to make sure that we are addressing problems that exist in the people on the planet. And, and uh, we take a very long-term perspective. And I think that's one of the benefits of the Japanese culture, which we take a longer term um, perspective, I think, than, than other parts of the world. We can move on, Asti. And really, you know, again, this shows just the linkage between these three elements and what we try and do through our business strategy, but also our sustainability strategy is how we can combine the different elements of the environment, society and economy. So when we think of sustainable cities and communities, we put the lens, these three lenses across it. And you'll see in, you know, some of the work, for example, we do with smart cities around the world is how do we make you know, how do we improve the environment for people living in cities? What benefit that can that have for society? And obviously, uh, and, uh, and you know, cities are very important to drive the economic growth of, of countries uh, across the world. But we can move to the next one. And really here, this brings out the three areas that we focus on. Um, we believe, so there's three areas we've chosen. One is, is community. And it's how do we make that a contribution to society at a community level? And we, we're very much a believer that we have to do that very locally. We operate, as I said earlier, in 57 countries. So we have programs in each of these countries of how we can help communities, whether that we, we do a lot of work in education. Uh, we provide a lot of uh, schools, for example, in Africa, where we provide weekend schools, Saturday schools for, for children. We do a lot of work with charities on, on bicycles to Quebec as one of the big charities we sponsor in Africa to help children get to school, uh, which is a big issue in some countries. So that's community. Then we've got the business, which is how do we help our clients uh, drive better sustainability? So what technology solutions can we provide? And of course, as we move things to the cloud and we look at more software-based solutions, which are the two of the key trends within the technology market, there's the opportunity to use less raw materials, to ship less technology around the world, and to drive things from a more efficient uh, infrastructure. 
and we certainly want to, to help that, these trends. And then the third one at the bottom being the planet as a whole. And obviously the sustainability goals from the United Nations clearly lay out different areas. And as uh, we can go into, we've identified, the, the, they refer to above the sea, below the sea, different aspects of the planet and how we believe that uh, technology can play a role in helping the environment. And if we go to the next one. And this is just looking at that. So one of the you know, questions I'm sure you'll be asking us, Ainsley, is regarding, well, how do we measure that? What targets are we setting? And how do we show tangible benefits? So the, the three areas I mentioned are on the left there, the planet, community, and business. And really it's how do we as a company amplify our impact? So we look at our people and we have, as I said, 40,000 people. We have over 300,000 people in the whole of NTT. So that's got quite a good base where we can leverage change. But then through our business operations, we can amplify it more in terms of what we're doing for our clients. We manage a, a lot of our clients' technology infrastructure around the world. And of course, then it's our solutions and services. You know, for example, this year has been very challenging for, for most people, whether it's a personal level or it's a business level. How can technology play a role? We saw a huge drive for at home working and we've been helping our clients for the last 12 months how to have secure solutions working from home using video conferencing like we are today, that's got a, a, an environmental impact because people aren't on trains and buses and cars. So there's all sorts of ways that technology can impact that. And the three areas where we are setting targets, the one that we've publicly stated is that by 2030 to be net zero as, a, as an organization. In addition to that, we've already announced the um, we want to, the rhino was the first animal we chose to uh, stop the rhino becoming extinct, and we can talk about that. And, and we're adding additional um, species to that list. And, and the set in the middle area there is through the um, city and community solutions we have. How many people can we impact? And we will be in the next few months announcing specific targets around the world for that. So we can go to the next one. And this is just the final one, Ainsley. You mentioned the Business Avengers. If people aren't aware, so these are the 17 companies um, around the world. And I know you're talking to some of them through your chamber uh, who have committed to working together. And as I mentioned, we're, we're doing our best to work with them and, and obviously through ourselves to both impact our goal, which as you mentioned was number 11, but also the others. So that was just hopefully a, a selection of slides to give you, uh, the audience an introduction. Very happy to take any questions, but I thought I'd ask Wen Ming, I've talked more at a global level, he's responsible for our Asia business, maybe to touch upon any, any relevant points in Asia. Unmute. Are you there, Wen Ming? Yes. Hi, uh, good afternoon, Andrew. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, and good morning to uh, France and uh, Europe. Uh, absolutely. Um, NTT, uh, the brand itself, it's uh, a Japanese, uh, it's been over 100 years in, in, in Japan. Uh, but for this part, it's outside of uh, Japan. Uh, we've gone through various uh, mergers and acquisition. Uh, personally, I've been here for 25 years, started this company called Datacraft Asia. 
which was subsequently uh, acquired by Dimension Data, which then merged into NTT. Uh, we have been in Indonesia for over 20 years right now. Uh, again, it's through a series of mergers and acquisition. Uh, today, we have about uh, 400 people uh, within uh, Indonesia. Uh, the client base or the industry that we serve is largely the uh, telecommunications sector, uh, as well as the financial services sector. Uh, so we look forward to discuss with you, uh, share some learning, some point of views regards to uh, smart city uh, that we are involved in, in various parts of Asia, uh, and the views of uh, sustainability uh, moving forward. So uh, thank you once again for the opportunity. Thank you, Andrew and uh, Wen Ming. Um, Andrew, I would just like to go back to your specific uh, goals with it within the company. You mentioned a couple there, um, but it also in the context of Indonesia um, and globally, how far along the line are you to achieving these these various goals? And do you look at it globally or is it a country by country basis? Thanks, Ainsley. I mean, to answer your second question first, we, we look at it in both. We believe there has to be a global context and, and strategy, but execution is always local. But we want to leverage things as much as possible. You know, for example, we're doing some work, as I mentioned, with um, two big areas of telemedicine just now in terms of how we've used video to help people who can't see loved ones through COVID. How can we bring technology, if we develop a solution in one country, we obviously want to replicate that in other countries. So, but there are at the same time, you know, and, and I'm not an expert in Indonesia and I won't pretend to be, but, you know, different countries, you mentioned I live, I've lived in Africa, when you're dealing with different first um, or developing markets, you need to tailor your solutions to the market. Sometimes, for example, in Africa, some of the issues is we don't have the connectivity. So we actually can bring some of the technology solutions without bringing different forms of connectivity into both urban and rural, rural areas. So that there's different challenges, but overall we want to um, try and replicate, but obviously personalize to the local market. To your first part of your question, I would say fairly close to the beginning of the journey. And I know that might be frustrating, but I find it exciting. And I think it's the business avenger discussion for us came about about 18 months ago. And since then, we've become very passionate about this. And it, it's actually worked very well to bring our people together around the world and to have a, a common purpose, which is to feel that we're making a, a, a specific contribution to the goals set in the United Nations. And, and we look forward to that. And we've made, as we can discuss, major investments. So we've built a, a smart city platform, for example. And that allows us, if you were dealing with any municipality or city um, or mayor, whatever they're called around the world, we can put any uh, IoT devices, and by that I mean maybe cameras, sensors um, of any sort, and we can connect, connect these to a, a central platform. And that allows um, us to, again, replicate that platform, but also give access to that data to the city which is very valuable. One case study we refer to after the terrible shooting incident in Las Vegas, the mayor of Las Vegas asked us to, to implement our platform. And we've now put that in place. So if there was again, any social disturbance or terrorist or other activities, we're now far better equipped to look at 
use cases like how we uh, move traffic around the city to get people away from uh, areas of concern. Um, and these sort of use cases are, are very valuable. So a long answer, Angie, we're, we're at the beginning, but I think there's, there's a lot we've already done, but a lot more to do. Interesting you say uh, you're at the beginning. Um, when we spoke to Unilever a couple of months ago, they said they embarked on this journey quite a long time ago, and it took them a long time to gain traction within their organization. But now, obviously, now there's, there's no turning back. Um, you also refer to being a purpose-led organization, much in the same way that they refer to having purpose brands. Um, how are you able to, how are you coalescing your 40,000 workforce to share these ambitions and work together to drive these ambitions? Because obviously the top might set, set out the goals and the ambitions. Um, how, how are you driving that down the organization and what, and what impact are you seeing? Well, as I mentioned, what, one thing we've, we've, we quickly realized is how passionate our people are about this. And we've actually asked our people what they want us to do. You, you, the Business Avenger discussion was agreed at a, 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 you know, between the United Nations and our, our head office in Tokyo. So that was, a, to me, a context. But then we, we actually went to our uh, staff and we asked them, you know, what are you passionate about? And as I said, that comes back. I mean, the connected conservation, which I believe we're probably the leaders in the world at, started through the passion of our people in Africa who were just so upset about the terrible poaching situation with the rhinos. So that was led by our local people in Africa saying, we want to do something. We want to make a difference here. And if I can just touch upon it, I mean, again, not to get into the technology, but I think there's an important principle most people, when they look at endangered species, they look at, at tagging or, or disturb, using the animals as such. Our philosophy is very different. Our philosophy is how can we leave them completely alone? So we deal with the perimeter. We look at the actual um, networking, the cameras, the sensors to keep humans out of the areas where animals should be. And that, I think, is a very different approach, but a far more effective approach to leave the, the animals in a very natural state. So that's an example, Ainsley, which I, I, I would say that's local. And we've, we've had, um, and Wen Ming can talk about some of the examples later in Asia, but th that's where we look, we set context globally, but we want local people to come up with ideas. And, and that we found them to be very enthused and supportive of that. Well, so maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Wen Ming, you could, you could expand upon that in terms of the context of Indonesia. Some of the, ch the challenges that uh, Andrew referred to in Africa, very similar here. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, it goes back to the members in the organization being very passionate about uh, wildlife conservation. Uh, the project we've done in South Africa is certainly a very good example. And here in Asia, as you know, there are various endangered uh, animals as well, uh, be it the tigers in India, uh, the rhinos in Sumatra or the orangutans in the Borneo uh, sector. Uh, in fact, we are now embarking on a similar program. Uh, we're still defining the scope. Uh, but what's fortunate is through the learnings in South Africa and with the advancement of technology, we are now hopefully able to leapfrog that and uh, embarking on some of the latest development in NTT R&D applying to those uh, conservation process. 
So uh, very excited. And I think uh, it's only sustainable when it's driven by passion of the team locally wanting to do it. So our team in India is excited. Our team in Indonesia is extremely advanced uh, in working on the details. I hope to share that uh, more uh, once we crystallize the program and uh, when the program is underway. And in, in terms of your customers here in Southeast Asia, Winming, mm. uh, how is your philosophy resonating with them? And what sort of demands and expectations are they placing upon uh, NTT in, in the context of, of sustainability and climate change? Are they leading the other parts of the world? Are they following? Uh, in fact, that's a very, very good question. Um, it's, it's a push and pull effect. Uh, internal within NTT, we are always looking at technology to improve the sustainability and leaving uh, condition improvement. From a client's perspective, they're looking towards us to provide that thought leadership, the technology leadership to achieve the various uh, enterprise or governmental uh, objectives. Um, in the smart city township and development, uh, we are involved uh, in a few countries right now. Uh, Malaysia, we're in discussion in Indonesia as well with uh, the large enterprises on how we could adapt some of these learnings elsewhere and the R&D into enhancing the living condition in the new township with the key objective of citizen experience, and most importantly, is this whole sustainability in, in cost reduction and efficiency of running operation. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a regular discussion. Um, in fact, it's an ongoing discussion and it's a journey we're going through. Um, and, and that's an area that we hope to be able to contribute towards the improvement of the living environment. So I'm, I'm in the real estate business here. Um, can you maybe give us one specific example of how technology is being deployed, whether it be in a township or, or a real estate development that is, that is helping the developer uh, achieve greater sustainability? See, when we've spoken to developers uh, in various countries, top in mind is first, how could they differentiate their property vis-a-vis -vis other developer. That's always top in mind. And along the same direction, it's all about how could you make it more efficient and more effective running that property. Uh, I'll give you an example. We involved in one of the master planning program today. It's all about a new township. How could they make it a lot more safer? And as a, a town, how could they be more efficient? So for example, waste management, for example, energy saving, which is a, a foundation of your ask. How could they make sure that the energy is optimized so that uh, when the traffic condition within the city or the building or the uh, offices are reduced, the electric saving itself would uh, be minimized. And I think the return on investment itself is quite and it's easy to compute. So uh, if I were to uh, have a chance to speak to you as a developed property, um, absolutely, we do have a few areas that a few ideas we thought uh, would be very appropriate uh, for the Asia Pacific market. So would that be a case of your using data to say manage the allocation of the power distribution at the right time to the right place? 
etc. Absolutely. I think as uh, Andrew mentioned, um, the internet of things, the collection of data point, the sensors in the buildings and the vehicle in the traffic, I think those are easily implemented. But the biggest challenge, is how do you collect those data? The big data, how do you make sure that it is of value? How do you rationalize it? How do you correlate it? How do you normalize it to make sense of value to it? So the data platform that we've built within NTT allow us to use uh, artificial intelligence uh, and machine learning because just the sheer volume of data is almost impossible for human to manage. So yeah, absolutely, uh, you're spot on. The whole data modeling is, is critical uh, to be successful, to attain a sustainable goal that the organization is going for. Uh, and you run data centers in Indonesia? Yes, we do. <laughs> and do they run, do, how much power does a data center consume? And do your existing data centers run on renewable energy? So yes, uh, your first question is spot on. A data center consume perhaps the highest power uh, in the industry. Now, having said that, uh, NTT is uh, working on renewable uh, energy to power data center. Uh, I must say it's not all data centered today, uh, but some of the more advanced are working towards utilizing it today. Um, so in Indonesia, not quite there yet, but absolutely that's the aspiration of the organization towards using renewable energy to power the data center. And that would be dedicated renewable energy for your own operation or be drawing off a grid? If I, if I can maybe add, Ainsley, just to give you some context, I mean, it varies around the world. In Japan, we've actually made significant investments in our own renewable infrastructure. Because I think the point you're getting at is we're seeing a lot of requirement for not just buying renewable on a consumption basis, but also but, but actually investing upstream in some of the production. So in, in Japan, we've made specific um, our own investment in renewable infrastructure. In other countries, I'm personally involved in some of the negotiations just now to buy renewable energy. It's, it's not as easy as it sounds because actually it's not available in all countries too. Yes. We have about 240 data centers around the world. We're the third largest owner of data centers. But what I would also say is data centers aren't necessarily a bad thing because a data center, instead of you know hundreds of organizations having their own small data centers can actually be more efficient from a power point of view. And as I mentioned, probably our biggest uh, R&D project just now is looking at how we can use new networking technologies, including optical and uh, different technologies to reduce the power that uh, connectivity uh, uses. But uh, we are negotiating, we have negotiated renewable contracts in some countries, and we're, we're, we're actively looking, we've got a global sourcing business and I'm working with them just now to look at how we can maximize our consumption of renewable energy. So it's, to, to Wenming's point, it, it's an objective. We've achieved it in some countries and working on it in others. Um, I also want to touch on something else to do with land use, uh, where technology might be able to help. And certainly in the context of Indonesia, if I look at climate change, you don't have to look very far to understand the enormous pressures on land use this country faces. Population is growing quickly. How can communication technology or IT help address these 
challenges, particularly in the context of agriculture. Uh, here in Indonesia, many, many smallholders. So even if technology is available, is it available at a, at a cost that uh, is affordable to the smallholders? So, so if I could, Andrew, to start with, uh, this is a very interesting topic that's uh, being discussed at great length today. So let me start by responding to the first question. Um, I think the angle that we should be looking at is how could we improve productivity per square unit? A unit as in could be either a warehouse, a square kilometer of land or a production uh, environment. Uh, to improve the productivity per unit, uh, our role in the aspects of uh, technology is to use, again, the Internet of Things by making sure that we place suitable sensors and suitable uh, modeling. We can maximize the yield of production per unit of uh, farmland or production uh, uh, environment. So from that perspective, the data modeling, the sensing, the immediate reaction to changes environment and therefore tune the parameters to optimize that growth uh, is an area of focus. So that's from a production standpoint. The other angle of your question was, how could communication IT assist in the broader piece and how could we make it accessible to even the Soho, the family business and, and the farmland. Now, it's pleasing to see that we are involved uh, in some projects where we could assist even a, a family business producing a, a unique produce. And the produce could be um, uh, publicized using their smartphone, which Indonesia has probably the highest population of uh, smartphone. Uh, a device that you could either take a video or a photo, put it on the internet, and they could reach out to any buyers globally. So I guess the entire supply chain from a rural area and a family business or even a big corporate enterprise could now reach out globally through this entire uh, supply chain. Now, how do you make that happen? Various component, uh, but I think what is critical is this end in mind from the producer to the buyer. And in fact, we could give you a very example of supply chain project involved, making sure that the common interest is met, transactions are done and paid electronically, and the shipment are done in the um, best uh, local means of uh, transportation. So as they said, uh, software uh, is changing the world. And, and I strongly believe that uh, this whole uh, data platform uh, will assist uh, to production, the yield, and the entire supply chain from rural area to the rest of the world. If that uh, makes sense from a, uh, a holistic perspective. Yeah, it, to some extent, I, I, I'll maybe expand on that very much in the context of a crop that's, that's so important to Indonesia, and that's palm oil, mm. which is, uh, it's a, it's a crop that's been demonized in the West, of, often unfairly in, in many respects, as the alternative crops are far more demanding in land use. But one of the issues that producers have is track and trace mm. to show that the crop is coming from a sustainable source mm. or a, a sustainable uh, 
uh, farm or whatever. Do NTT have any experience in working in projects either in Indonesia or elsewhere where you're helping provide that transparency and visibility of, of the crops? So, uh, I mean, in Indonesia, not yet, but in other part of the world, uh, we have provided uh, track and trace of assets. Now, this assets could be a palm oil, or it could be a vehicle transporting the palm oil, or the shipment of the palm oil, to, to example. I think what's critical is making sure that the entire supply chain is tracked uh, accordingly. Uh, we've used various uh, technology, which we could give you examples. Uh, we could use uh, radio frequency ID, RFID tag. We could use satellite tracking. Uh, in fact, recently, uh, NTT has just invested into a company called Here uh, that provides uh, mapping uh, technology. So we do have the building block. Um, exactly to the case in Indonesia, no, we have not done it. Uh, but this various building block could assemble an end-to-end -end supply chain uh, solution to meet uh, the possible objective. Okay. My, uh, when I think of data centers and technology, I think of a lot of electrical devices. I might be wrong, I might be right. Um, but the, the recycling of electrical devices is a real challenge. You, you mentioned earlier waste. Um, and Indonesia is one of the countries in the world with the, with the largest uh, waste management challenges. Just generally, do you have a policy either here or elsewhere, Japan or, or Europe, about how you treat uh, electrical uh, waste or device waste? Uh, that's a question. Uh, today we respond to certain uh, requests for response from our client. The waste management is one key area for us to respond to. So i.e., as we refresh the technology, how do we go through a proper disposal of uh, the electronical waste? So it's top in our agenda. We do not do the waste disposal uh, directly, but we certainly engage the professional as part of our supply chain to reduce and to dispose the electronics as part of the uh, supply chain uh, process. Do you want to comment, Andrew? Yeah, Ainsley, I've got this add, but I also mentioned earlier, I mean, as Wenming says, we, we do a lot of, if people need to, if it's PCs or servers or different pieces of infrastructure, we will make sure that is recycled uh, and uh, the components stripped down, obviously securely and used, reused wherever possible. But I also mentioned two key trends earlier. One is as things move to the cloud, and secondly, as things move to software. And Wen Ming mentioned it as well. These two trends make a huge difference. So what that means is far less technology actually needs to sit in the home, the office, because all you need is that if you've got the connectivity, and we understand that's an issue, but if you have the connectivity, you don't need to sit in a company with servers and everything else. And that's obviously what usually takes up a lot of the electrical waste. And I think that's where we can become far more efficient. And a server sitting in a, as a, as a virtual server sitting in a data center can be far more efficient, both from a power utilization, but also from a space and electrical component utilization than the traditional model of everyone having their own technology locally. 
And I think during COVID, we've just seen organizations accelerate their movement on these two trends. And it's a good thing from an environmental point of view. And, and we see that as helping as well as us recycling the residual uh, physical waste. Okay, thank you. I just, I'm going into the waste business here in Indonesia. I can tell you it's very, very challenging indeed. Uh, and data is a key, key issue in terms of being able to, to identify where it is, to track it. The, the, the producers want to be able to recover the waste that they're produced. So data is becoming a real challenge for that sector. Andrew, we've got a couple of questions back on um, the, the business Avengers. The first one here is from Nancy Judith Cromar. And she asks, to what extent are NTT as business Avengers responsible for driving the agenda for achieving sustainable goal 11 as a company, as opposed to coordinating the work of many other organizations to achieve the goal? Well, thank you for the question, Nancy. I, I see it as both really. You know, I think we're the custodian of that goal. We certainly don't think it's all about us. We see that we've taken a level of, of ownership and we need to lead by example. And we certainly are doing that. I've mentioned a lot of the work we're doing is in smart cities currently. Um, we're very involved in smart cities from Japan where we're the new woven city we're working on. I mentioned Las Vegas. We've got projects in all parts of the world including Africa and different parts of Asia, where we're working in, in smart city solutions. Um, so we need to lead by example. However, obviously we can't do it on our own. And we are talking to a lot of our clients, a lot of the other business Avengers, and, and frankly, very happy to hear from anyone else who, who feels they can participate and, and contribute to that. And it can be very small things. I mean, we, we can overcomplicate this easily. I'll give you an example. Of, we, we've talked a bit today about sensors and some people say to me, well, what do you mean by sensors? And let me give you a very simple example. You've talked about waste. Well, one of the, one of the refuge collection, one of the easy things that we're using sensors for is to put them in rubbish bins and they can tell when that rubbish bin is a certain percentage full. That can increase the efficiency of collecting waste very substantially. It can also reduce the excess waste spilling onto streets. I'll give you another example of a very simple sensor, which is when someone leaves a room, the lights go off automatically. And whether we like it or not around the world, you know, you go to any city or town in the evening and many lights are on unnecessarily. And simply changing to sensors so that heating, lighting, and these sorts of things are only used when they're needed can make a substantial difference. So I think we also have to break it down and, and make it fairly simple. And all of us can do that in our houses regarding, you know, uh, long life light bulbs and other things. So there's there's plenty of action we can take at an individual level, but we are, we see ourselves as the as the custodian, but we need other people's support as well. Okay, thank you. Now I believe we have a guest coming in from Japan, Katayama-san. How Hi. are you? Hi, how are you? Can't can you see me? I, I we can see you. Yes. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, Katayama-san and I go back quite a long way, and I should let Andrew know that Katayama-san many years ago was the best Japanese darts player in Edinburgh, if I recall. That's <laughs> where he learned his English. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. So uh, great to see you, you very much for so many years, and thank you for joining <laughs> yeah. today. You got a question yeah. for 
for the guys. Yeah, just uh, you know, uh, thank you very much for your presentation, and it's great to see uh, NTT uh, take the lead of uh, uh, SDS uh, SDGs 11. And uh, I have one question about, about you know one the very simple question is that giving uh, the climate change in a conference in part is focused more on government commitment. Do you think business can take more lead for the conference next year in Glasgow? Yes, well, a short answer, uh, Katayama-san, um, is absolutely yes, and thank you for your question. And I'll remember never to challenge you to a game of darts. Um, but I think um, we, we uh, obviously, as a, as a native of Glasgow, I'm very uh, proud that our city will be hosting the, the conference. And I'm hoping, and we're certainly supportive of the, the objectives set at a global level. And we're hoping that all countries uh, participate. And I think with recent changes in America, we're hoping that we see more support from the other side of the Atlantic as well. Um, but I think we can't rely upon governments. To my mind, governments must set policy and governments need to create uh, an environment that organizations can play a critical role. And I think that's what the Business Avengers is all about. It's all about asking the, the companies who have the resources, the people, the assets, the reach in terms of our communication, messaging and brands to, to activate our staff. But in addition to that, to amplify that into the communities which we operate in and our, our you know, um, the, the communities as a whole. And so I believe strongly the companies not just can, but should take a leading role to drive the agenda because I don't think governments on their own will be successful. And I think the, the issues the planet faces are too critical to leave it to just the government. What, is that, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, you know that uh, that's a great challenge, and then I think uh, you know many government also has to change their mind, you know, to the more you know SDGs type of thinking. But uh, also business has to take a lead, and in order to take a lead, I think you know, uh, like a you know, it's a similar question to from Nancy, and uh, I think uh, you know, you know, can NTT persuade, convince you know other uh, tech company or communication company like uh, AT&T and then so on. And also some tech company like Tesla. Tesla started, you know, some business for air conditioning using their battery technologies, uh, using, you know, their uh, AI technologies. I know NTT has a uh, uh, capable for uh, ICT uh, AI, AI field, but also execution, like you said, uh, you know, very local you know, decision is involved and also local companies uh, has to take a lead too. So uh, do you think you can uh, convince those people uh, as a business point? I, I think so, uh, certainly. And, and I, I think Wen Ming touched upon this. We, our, our clients are demanding it of us. It's, mm. I think, you know, it used to be optional. Like we'd like to hear Maybe if we received our uh, RFP, they would ask uh, the last question, could you tell us some of your view on sustainability? Uh, in my experience, and I, I obviously can't discuss individual clients, but I, I've had a, a major client just in the last week I've been talking to, which it was not optional. They, uh, they, it was about renewable energy. 
and it was unless we used renewable energy for their requirements, we would not win the business. So I, I, I think actually it's, um, and I, I think that's a great positive. So I think we have to drive and take steps forward, but I think many companies are now uh, realizing both their own um, culture and their own people, but also for their uh, reputation and for their attraction of customers and staff. Um, people, it, 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 it's no longer optional. I think and many companies have come to that conclusion and I think we can now all work together to drive it forward. I think NTT is the best, you know, uh you know, uh, partner for everybody because through communication. So you have a company named NTT Communication in Japan. So yes. <laughs> I think, I hope, you know, you can, uh, you can make a great job for that. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Karayama-san. Good, good to see you again. And, and just to expand upon that point, uh, Andrew, I think when we had Alan Jope on, he was one, one of the things he was talking about in relation to the climate change conference was maybe getting all the consumer product companies to agree to a common set of goals, the heavy industry companies to agree to a common set of goals, um, the service companies to agree to, to a common set of goals. And uh, to Katayama's point, maybe the same could, could happen in the tech sector or the communication sector. So that everyone's working towards a similar timeline with similar objectives. That, that's hopefully one of the ways that, they, that uh, the next climate change conference can deliver perhaps better results than the previous one. I would agree with you, Ainsley. And if you look at the list of business Avengers, I think something that's quite striking is how many both consumer good companies and technology companies are on that list. So you mentioned two uh, sectors and, uh, and our industry by nature, we have to work with each other because we connect every day so, for example, whether it's um, in the cloud space, obviously people will think of AWS, Microsoft, Azure, Google, Alibaba. All of these are major clients and partners of ours because to deliver a communication solution to a client, we need, we need undersea cables, we need satellites, we need data centers, we need networks. So I think by the benefit we have is by nature, we have to collaborate. I, I don't say for a minute that we can't do better, but I think we have a good base to build on. Okay, yeah, it, you mentioned C, and I think when we were talking prior to the webinar starting, you, you were talking about a couple of uh, projects relating to below the sea and above the sea. Yes. Would you like to expand upon them? Yes, well, uh, the United Nations set the two separate goals, you know, and they differentiate between above the sea and below the sea. So I mentioned, uh, and, and Wenming added in terms of some of the Asian endangered species, so the technologies we've used above the sea, for example, we can now have cameras that can see a poacher coming into a game reserve six kilometers away. It's unbelievable technology available. We have networks, low power utilization networks that can exist in the rural Africa with very little power requirements. That wasn't available to us three or four years ago. Under the sea, as you mentioned, we're looking at a couple of endangered species right now and the Connected Conservation Foundation, which we've been part of setting up as a charity in London, is, is prioritizing some of the species. And we're going to announce at least one under the sea species. And again, I'm not um, technically enough to explain it, but it's amazing to me that we can use some, some technologies that can also keep the animals safe under the water and keep um, human 
predators. We're not talking about other predators of, in the animal world. We're talking about how to protect them from human intervention under the seas, and we'll be announcing that in the, in the coming months. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to now go from Japan to Glasgow. Cheryl, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Um, hi, everyone, and a huge thank you um, for the, the, the presentations this morning and to, to Ainsley and the team for, for organising. It's been a fascinating morning for us um, and afternoon for you. Um, I really yeah, actually wanted to... Can you just mention to Andrew and uh, Winming what you do at the at the chamber because it's somewhat relevant to this. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was just where I was going. So, um, as part of Glasgow Chamber of Commerce, we have a particular interest in helping businesses to accelerate their circular economy ambitions. So we are very much using circular economy um, as a, a real sort of way to drive climate change um, and to drive the kind of net zero agenda um, as a real sort of way to try and move that forward, particularly from a business perspective. But Glasgow itself does have a, a real ambition in becoming a leading circular economy city. Um, and obviously with COP coming to Glasgow next year, we're delighted that that sort of gives a real sort of impetus for Glasgow. Um, so for, for me, even from our perspective, I was keen to sort of build on the sort of previous question around COP in terms of do you have any particular hopes and aspirations for COP itself from a business perspective? And given the, the sort of focus of this morning's very much from a Chamber of Commerce perspective, how do you feel um, Chambers um, can support individual businesses in realising some of their, their targets? Um, you know, technology is a huge innovator and driver for this, but how do you see that? Um, how do you see Chambers being able to support businesses individually? Okay, well, thank you, Cheryl. I'll certainly um, respond and when Ming can add to, to, to anything uh, he wants to. I mean, to, to your last point, I, it's, it's, to me, it's the same as the, as the government comment I made. I think chambers have a critical role to play because solutions are best brought that are replicated and shared and learned from between organizations. And, and organizations aren't always the best at talking to each other. And I think that's a fact of, of, of business competition and dynamics, especially in, a, in, in markets with competitive businesses. And that's where I think chambers and any and other forums of communication can share best practice and allow access at a far lower cost and remove barriers to entry. Because what we find is it's, especially for smaller businesses, it's very difficult to think about you know, you mentioned the circular economy and how we can use sustainability to help organizations, big and small. And I think it's it's about getting, sharing information. It's about, um, you know, I mentioned um, cloud computing, for example. Well, it's all very easy for a large corporate to sign a contract and get preferential pricing. But I think through working together, chambers can, can negotiate terms and access to technology at a, at a better scale volume and cost point than companies can often do individually. So I think it's about collective power uh, and how to, to harness that in, in a, whether it's a, a local chamber, a national chamber, or indeed a, a, a government a body. So I'm a great believer that um, that collaboration and, and also just learning from each other's experiences is so critical. I don't know if, I assume that's what you're doing at the Chamber and helping companies work and learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's about Carol, trying to... Add on to, I think, across Asia Pacific, uh, I'm sure you agree that there's a different degree of uh, maturity 
so I agree with what Andrew mentioned, um, the level of awareness to drive adoption uh, across uh, the chambers and across the countries and the government, um, it's critical uh, to make sure that um, a consistent adoption would, would then uh, enhance the overall attainability of the object. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. I, I see our time is, is, is just about up. Um, and one of the things that seems to have struck me about this is that the, the technology that can, can help address a lot of these challenges seems to be becoming more accessible wherever we are in the world. And that, that, that to me is a good thing. Andrew mentioned the cost um, in Africa is lower, accessibility is much better, the power required is, is a lot lower than before. So hopefully that all goes well for the future. And uh, a lot of this technology can assist countries like Indonesia to move ultimately at similar paces as, as more developed countries. Would that be right, Andrew, or, or am I completely off the mark there? You're totally on the mark, Ainsley. I think it's completely right. And I think, you know, simple things, like it's amazing now through smartphones, what business models uh, Wen Ming referred to, the, 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 and Cheryl's point in a way as well, that the barriers to entry are so much lower now. And listen, there's still issues. We've got issues of data sovereignty. Security is a big issue, how we can protect both individuals and corporate data. That's probably our biggest concern as, as a company as we, as we see these technology advances. So it's not all easy sailing as such, but you're absolutely right. The, the way the, the speed of, of change and of development and of getting the economies of scale is bringing the cost down and making it easier for small and large companies to access the technology. And we believe it can play a positive role in the, in the sustainability and the climate goals that we have. And that's what we're committed to. Excellent. Uh, I, I was with a company yesterday who have got a smart app that, that's working with scavengers on the landfills in Indonesia. And you don't get much lower down the social ladder than, than scavengers. So that was a, that's a good example of how people's lives are being improved. Andrew and Win Ming, we are unfortunately out of time. I would like to thank you very much for, uh, for joining us today and educating me. Um, I hope everyone else uh, listening has, has found the session informative. Um, I do hope at some point in time, we can maybe have you back maybe after uh, the, uh, COP26, you can give us your, your view on how, on how that went. And I do hope uh, before too long, we'll, we'll maybe see you in, in Indonesia. Um, visas are very easy to get now here. You can come in anytime. It doesn't seem to be any foreign you. Welcome to come. Thank, thank you very much for having us, Ainsley. And I look forward to hopefully visiting Indonesia again soon. But thank you, everyone, for your time. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you.